This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology tools and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, that's teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Well, last year, the U.S. Surgeon General stated that the mental health crisis facing our youth is the biggest concern facing the country. Mental health issues, particularly with our next generation, have been a growing concern for a while now. But most people would agree that COVID has really exasperated this issue. Now, one of the biggest causes of these mental health struggles is the impact of social media and technology devices. Well, my guest today shared her own struggle with mental health about eight years ago. And as she shared about the negative impact of social media on her mental wellness, her story sparked a huge response and a movement was born. My guest today is Lars May. She is the founder and executive director of Half the Story, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to fostering digital well-being for this next generation. So if you have kids or teenagers, or you yourself would consider yourself part of this next generation, you're going to really enjoy today's show, particularly because Lars is going to share not only what she's been learning from the U.S., but now she's been invited to go throughout many other countries internationally to share about the same concerns about how to advocate for and help train others towards mental and digital well-being. Enjoy today's show. Lars, it's so good to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for hosting me, Rob. Well, mental health has been a topic that regularly is in the news, right? But ever since COVID, I feel like the awareness of mental health and mental health struggles have skyrocketed. And when you add the role of social media and its impact on mental health, particularly the negative impact on mental health, particularly on our youth, the issue of mental health and mental wellness has really become critical. Some would say you are a pioneer, Lars, when it comes to sharing your own personal story, which you shared about eight years ago. And I thought that would be a great place to start today. Uh, again, for my listeners, back in 2015, you shared your first official social media post about your mental health struggle, and half the story was born because the response was unbelievable. So give us the story behind this. How did this get started? Well, the other half of the story is that seven years ago now, or is that eight years ago? It's, it's, it's eight years, if you can believe it. I know. Time flies. Yeah, it's it's hard. Sometimes I I find it hard to believe that I'm I'm still doing this. I'm sure you do too. In nonprofit, there's so many there's so many obstacles along the way, and this organization really was created out of an obstacle, which 
when I was in college, I struggled with my own mental health breakdown. And when I came to the point of life or death and started that healing journey, I was in the darkest space of my life, but I realized that I was going to that blue light as my refuge. It was the place that I coped and it was really the place that I was able to run from what I was experiencing. It did so much to me. It showed me algorithms with really destructive, harmful content, self-harm content next to fashion, um, which I loved. So, you know, it not only had very harmful algorithms and content that it was showing me, but it also was like this thing that I was addicted to. It's like being addicted to something that's punching you in the face. Like that's literally what it was like. It was this very abusive relationship that I had with tech. And when I remember sitting in the psychiatrist's office and she asked me about drugs, sex, alcohol, the whole list, but she didn't ask me about the drug that was in my pocket, which was my device. And I realized that at that point, my downfall, I was spending between 10 and 12 hours a day on my phone. Now, the average American teen spends eight hours a day on their phone, which will be 30 years of their life. So think about it. The average spends eight. I was spending 12, around 12 hours a day, which is basically half your day and half of your life behind a device. And I woke up to the fact that this device was actually really hurting my mental health, but I found it really peculiar that no one was talking about it. So I believed at a young age that in order to really face the mental health crisis, we were going to have to look at the role that tech did play in it. And we were really one of the first youth-led organizations in this conversation. That's amazing. And just to think about that. So the average is eight hours, as you mentioned, that's about 30 years on their life just looking at a screen and scrolling through things. That's incredible. And thank you again for sharing a bit of your story already. And it's obviously made a big difference with a lot of people. And I thought I'd also add this stat. I've mentioned it in a previous podcast, but I'll just restate it again because it's very germane to our topic today. Last year, the U.S. Surgeon General stated that the mental health crisis we're facing, and particularly with our youth, is the biggest concern facing the country right now. And a key part of your organization's mission is to rebuild the next generation's relationship with technology. And you believe it starts with unpacking the toll it takes on our mental health. And you've already kind of mentioned that a bit. Now, share a bit more about what you're doing, how you're addressing this. I think we all agree that social media can wreak havoc on our mental health, but you're doing some really interesting research on that. And really, you know, you've been doing this now for eight years. Give us a few data points of what you've learned through your research and advocacy so far. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, to answer your first question, half the story's vision is to make digital wellness accessible to everyone. We believe that in order to participate and succeed in society, you have to have access to technology for education, for professional relationships, and during the pandemic, social relationships. So what we've seen is that oftentimes we look at digital well-being in one corner and digital equity in another, and we want to be able to meet kids that are coming from areas with low tech or even high tech and get into the most vulnerable state and most important parts of their life, which is adolescence and pre-adolescence to give them the tools that they need. Because as uh, Dr. Lawrence Steinberg, a PhD that we love has said, adolescence is the new zero to three. And yet they're the most under-recognized, underutilized, least listened to out of pretty much any age group in humanity. So we are, I guess more than anything, we want to empower youth's relationship to technology and make digital well-being accessible. Now, we use, use this term digital well-being. 
the way that we like to look at technology is through something called digital well-being, which is the integration of two key things. One, which is digital habits. So how you use your device, how much you're using it, and then also your emotional health and how your emotional health impacts your digital habits and vice versa. So we've become honestly obsessed with understanding those two things over the last seven years, specifically amongst the next generation. And we've learned a lot of things along the way. So first and foremost, you know, what we focus on in digital well-being is really digital habits and emotional agility skills. So digital habit metacognition. So teaching kids about mindful device modification, pervasive design features, and also how those features impact their overall emotional health. And through the work that we've done, you know, what we really are measuring is something called digital flourishing. And it's a 21-item measure that actually captures adolescent digital well-being as a multidimensional and holistic lens. And what we're looking at is not just screen time usage, but what kids are doing on their screen. If they're using active versus passive screen time and how through coming through our programs, they can ultimately improve their relationships with tech, with which for us look through the lens of digital flourishing. And what we've learned is that not all screen time is created equal. There's passive and there is active screen time consumption. And for kids, it's really important to teach them mindful modification skills to get them from a space of passive consumption into a space of active consumption. The second thing we've learned is that kids really use technology in a lot of positive ways. And for some underprivileged, under-resourced students, as well as the LGBTQ plus community, technology can be their lifeline and can save their life, especially if they're having a hard time identifying with people within their respective communities. It could be the place that they, the only place that they have their friends. The third biggest thing we've learned is that schools, parents, institutions like to focus on digital unwellness. And this story that we tell as a society, just like I like to say, we focus on the business of sickness in American healthcare, is translating into this space. And we are building systems, technology that does not support well being, but detracts from them. And then our society is focused on just removing technology or fear and abstinence, which is a really, really difficult mix for youth. And so for us, you know, the way that we've kind of approached this and have developed a methodology around this is that digital well-being is a journey in a spectrum. From the moment that you engage with the blue light, you are on this journey and it can go from digital unwellness to digital wellness and digital well-being. But without the skills of mindful modification, there is no hope to get there. So that's why we're really focused on intervening and making a difference with youth on an early middle school, late middle school, and high school. Do your investments align with your values? Well, now's the time to increase your triple bottom line to better people, profit, and the planet. Amalgamated Investment Services, a division of America's socially responsible bank, has a deep-seated commitment to affecting systemic change through investments. By specializing in triple bottom line impact, they can help navigate the common hurdles experienced by nonprofit organizations and foundations. From creating a sustainable policy statement to avoiding the all too prevalent greenwashing. If you would like to join them in creating a more just and sustainable world, please visit amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Again, that's amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Securities offered through 
Infidex Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Amalgamated Investment Services is a trade name of Amalgamated Bank. Infinex and Amalgamated Bank are not affiliated. You know, it's so interesting. Uh, I'm the dad of three girls, and you said something I think is really interesting. I think it's important to say that, you know, sometimes there's a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, if your kids are addicted to this blue light, as you mentioned, and yet to just completely unplug and, and get rid of your any kind of connection to technology is really difficult now because everything is moving in that direction. It's that digital wellness. I like that, or digital well-being. I like that approach because it acknowledges we, we have to use some technology, but how we use it is really important. In fact, I know one of the things you mentioned is so important. You are a big proponent of having control over our lives and therefore control over our social media and our technology. So you don't want big tech or the algorithms to control our lives. You want us to be able to control our lives individually. So talk to me about that. Why is having control so important in our digital age? Wow. Well, first and foremost, the most important reason to have control over your own digital habits is because technology was designed to manipulate us. And the first question that we usually ask kids when we work in schools is, why is technology free? And the answer is because you are the product and your time and, and your your time is your money is and is worth money to these platforms. And in the world that we're living in, which we cannot forget that technology was built within a capitalist society, they're optimizing for dollars and optimizing for our time. So I think as soon as you realize that your time is being manipulated in addition to your own mental and physical health to suit these companies, that's a wake up call that 30 years of your life could be spent sitting on your butt scrolling or 30 years could be spent going out and doing the, all the things that you might want to do, whether it be getting degrees or starting businesses or starting a family. And so I think it's just on a simple level, it's so clear that we're being taken advantage of and we want to be in control. But on a deeper level, we are just starting to understand the psychosocial repercussions of these social technologies which are everything from loneliness to depression to literally changes within the, the, the biochemical makeup of our brain. And there was actually a recent study that came out actually showing digital dementia and that predicting that kids in the digital age that are spending more time are going to be more likely to, to suffer from these things. And, you know, it starts at screen time and it ends at dementia. It starts at receiving a message from a man on social media to being sex trafficked. 65% of sex trafficking happens on these devices. I think it is a spectrum and we need to wake up because these small micro moments can change, have monumental impacts on our lives. Well, it's so interesting for my listeners to hear that after you posted that a first official uh, social media post about your own mental health struggle, you created this movement and, and you started half the stories you mentioned as a nonprofit organization. And you've been already mentioning this, but your nonprofit focuses again on three primary areas, education, advocacy, and building community. Talk a little bit more about that. And you've mentioned a few examples. Maybe you can hone in on the advocacy side because a lot of nonprofits, that's one of their specialties is advocacy. And you've done a lot of that. You could talk about all three, but maybe that's the one you could focus on because I'm curious to for my listeners, again, who are wanting to do their own advocacy for various causes, I think you've learned a lot and can teach us how to do that well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that they all, they all really fit together. But our education program is called Social Media U. And this is a program that we bring into schools to help empower kids. It's an ev evidence-based digital wellness program. 
that educates young people on the connection between their emotional health and digital habits. So that's really digital well-being. Once kids go through our educational program, we invite them into lobbying and advocacy opportunities within the organization to empower youth to be in the spaces where policies are being designed, both in the political sector, but also in the technological sector. Because what I've learned as a young activist is that many policies that are written are honestly just being written in a room. And honestly, it's sometimes not really always the best solution for the problem. So what we're doing is we're working with youth through our civics academy to recruit youth, to train them, to give them op-ed opportunities, to give them opportunities to reach out and come lobby at state and national uh, capitals, but then also to just teach them about how to use their voice on their platforms online to activate and empower local communities through stories around digital unwellness or um, digital privacy and these things, because it takes changes on the smallest level, which is sometimes our own school, to then create movements that can create shifts on a global level. And Half the Story literally started with this sticker on a college campus. And now we are making moves on a political uh, stage, both in America, but also in an advocacy beyond. I, I started l- last year in Saudi Arabia. I was in France. I was like in all these different places doing this work. And I think the the moral of the story here is that stories really reach people and touch people. And you have to focus on using digital technologies to tell the stories that are going to meaningfully engage, activate, and also get policies to be passed. Because when you go, you know, whether it be on social media or whether it be sitting in the Capitol, the thing that's going to get someone to give you a yes vote is when you move them with a story that makes them want to cry or you move them with a story that makes them want to laugh. and we have to remember that our best skill as humans is human connection with technology or without it. We'll be right back. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology tools and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, that's teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Do your investments align with your values? Well, now's the time to increase your triple bottom line to better people, profit, and the planet. Amalgamated Investment Services, a division of America's socially responsible bank, has a deep-seated commitment to affecting systemic change through investments. By specializing in triple bottom line impact, they can help navigate the common hurdles experienced by nonprofit organizations and foundations. From creating a sustainable policy statement to avoiding the all-too-prevalent greenwashing. If you would like to join them in creating a more just and sustainable world, please visit amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Again, that's amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Securities offered through Infinix Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Amalgamated Investment Services is a trade name of Amalgamated Bank Infinex and Amalgamated Bank are not affiliated. 
So well said. And you know, another thing you do, uh, you call it teen talk. And I believe that's part of your building community aspect of your nonprofit. And it basically allows teens to tell their story and they can actually send in a video story to your website. And I think what's really neat is that you ask questions like, or you ask them to tell a story about how they're unplugging from social media or a concern they have about current social media trends or just what they're struggling with when it comes to social media and or mental health. How has this been going so far? What have been the results so far? So that this is actually how half the story started. So we had, you know, in the first two years, it started with me handing out stickers and young people submitting their stories. And then the grassroots movement took off. And we had over 30,000 stories from all around the world that were originally emailed to us through our first website. But now you know, we're moving into a new world, almost this post-visual era where people really want to move into audio and video and get out of just plain text and photos. So that's why we've really shifted and give give plat- give our youth the platform through video, which is oftentimes more nuanced. And for us, it, it's quite astounding, but we find that this tool becomes not only a cathartic experience for youth, but something that's really valuable for parents and educators. We actually just did a campaign with Pinterest for Safer Internet Day where all of our youth came together and made videos that were basically saying, dear parents, here's everything you're getting wrong and what you could do to engage your kids the right way on tech. And I just firmly believe that of anything that we do at our core, we want to empower these youth voices and have them be at the center because it's one thing to say it and it's another thing to do it. And I can tell you right now that we are missing youth voices on the legislative, on the political, but also the social and the economic and technological spaces. And we need to have more youth there in order to design things that actually work. Designing policies are just like building businesses. If you don't understand your target customer and the, the problem and the solution aren't aligned, you're not doing anything. You're just creating and you're wasting. Now, that's really helpful. And now as we look into the future, obviously social media and technology devices are not going anywhere. Uh, They're going to be here to stay. Knowing that, where have you found the most success so far when it comes to promoting positive mental health and helping individuals really gain a better sense of control over their lives when it comes to high tech? And I thought you could share, particularly in light of the fact, as I mentioned earlier, you're traveling out around the world. So your work is well beyond just the United States. So when you're in these various countries, what are the common threads of success that you're seeing both in the U.S. and abroad? Well, I think first and foremost, we are seeing tremendous success by getting youth to get into spaces where it's youth only to talk about these problems. So our youth-led spaces around policy, youth advocacy, education and program design are all wildly successful because youth are not used to, I mean, I'm 28 years old. I still like to think of myself as a young person that can create these spaces safely and openly and have it feel like kids are with a peer and not that they're not with a teacher or they're not with a parent. Like I think that we really try to be the peers to this next generation and create spaces for them to grow and thrive. So there's been a lot of success there. I mean, we've had 25 kids last Sunday in California show up during the Super Bowl for our youth advocacy and policy meeting. I mean, like the fact that it was Super Bowl Sunday and we had that many kids show up that want to come lobby with us in person and write their own op-eds is bananas. So I think we're just seeing that when you create something the right way that youth will respond to it. But I'll also say that we're seeing a lot of success 
I think just in a thought leadership conversation, when we tell the story to the UAE or to the UK, who has been very far ahead from a policy perspective, I think people get it. I think people also get it because it's so simple, like half the story, super clear. Social media is only half the story. We're not telling you to cancel it and get rid of it, but we're encouraging you to analyze and look at both sides, just like anything in your life. And so, you know, that I think just the simple brand really carries itself. And that's probably what's still around after seven years. But there's still a lot of uphill battles. And I think we we ultimately want to make the most amount of impact possible and in scale in the United States and beyond and and really maintain our leadership at the intersection of mental health and, and tech. And well said. And as you look into the future for your organization, what are the next one to three years hold for you? Oh, geez. So many things. So I think the next one to three years, first and foremost on the education front is really scaling our programming. We just launched in the UK, but we want to make digital well-being education a norm and hopefully also pass policies to do that. Because although it's important to have policies that hold tech companies accountable, it's not going to save our kids at the bottom. We still need to give our kids the tools and the resources and the knowledge. And I personally believe that knowledge and empowerment is sometimes more important than just a piece of caution tape for a tech company. And so we really want to focus on the education empowerment and giving kids the skills they need from the inside out in a world that is so focused on the outside in. Yeah, I love it. Well, again, for my listeners who want to find out a little bit more about you, find out more about Half the Story, where would you send them? You can send them to halfthestoryproject.org or Half the Story or Living Like Lars is where you can find me if you want to start the conversation. That's great. Well, Lars, thank you for what you're doing. It's such critical work. You're obviously having a great success uh, with doing it and spreading it beyond America into uh, international opportunities. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much. And best of luck with your three girls. It takes a special man to be a, a father of three girls in the digital age. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.